0: Welcome to our first edition of O100 Conferences podcast. Here is Paul, CBDO at O100 Conferences, together with Elbos Yilmaz from 3TS Capital Partners and Gunter Oswald from Mazar, Slovakia. Today, we'll touch on topics as pros and cons of the CE region for investors, financial reporting, audit, pricing, and also regional tax burdens and benefits. Before we start, I would like to make a short introduction. We, at All100 Conferences, organize exclusive private equity and venture capital events around the Europe. You can meet us at our upcoming conference in Prague on the 16th of October. Enjoy the show, and now I'm passing on the word.
1: No thanks. Thanks for having us on the on the podcast. But maybe Günther, you want to start
0: uh, with your quick intro, and I'll do the same. Fine, fine. Yes. Uh, also, thank you from my side. Thank you for inviting me to the. Podcast. Yeah, my name is Günter Oswald. I'm a partner at Mazars in Slovakia. We do tax, accounting, audit, advisory, financial uh, transaction support. So, um, I think uh, something which is quite relevant for, for investors. Um, and I would like to talk a bit about uh, interesting developments that we see and monitor or have seen uh, in, the, in the region in the last couple of months. So, please, uh, maybe you introduce yourself as
1: well. Sure, I'll repeat the same. So, um, hi everybody, Elbrus here with TTS Capital. Uh, We are a growth stage technology investor um, in the region. Uh, We have been doing this for the past almost 20 years through multiple funds. Uh, We typically invest uh, in late Series A, uh, Series B stages, uh, where the companies are looking for growth capital. Um, Our tickets range from 4 million to 8 million euros. And we always try to work with um, uh, technology-enabled services companies or technology companies, mostly software-related businesses. So I'm happy to be here. And just like Günther uh, talked about, I want to really touch up on um, some recent developments in the industry uh, in the region. Um, there are uh, exciting developments, in my opinion. I just want to shed some light on that. Good.
0: Yeah. I would say just go ahead. I okay. think that right. sounds interesting.
1: Cool. So I think, I mean, uh, what I wanted to do today, we talked with Günther in the morning. Um, there are some interesting developments in the U.S., uh, which is one of the main markets for our industry, um, and the repercussions of those developments could be quite interesting for us. Um, everybody knows about the uh, ongoing WeWork saga, uh, where you have one of the largest funds, uh, SoftBank, as a lead investor into them, and then the company had a failed IPO. Uh, as a result, right now, uh, there are uh, many discussions about the company's future, but looks like uh, WeWork's valuation will not sustain, so uh, investors are going to be unhappy, Uh, employees will be unhappy because there will be downsizing, etc., and the CEO was let go recently. So I think there are many lessons learned uh, or to be learned from this exercise in the U.S., but what I have seen is uh, talking to other colleagues and peers in the industry, investors, um, how did it end up at this level, right? You have a lot of smart people around the table, a lot of money going into the business, so how do businesses end up in a situation where... Uh, their operational uh, results do not support their valuation. Uh, Because I think the public markets are, uh, when you look at it, are more common sense investors. They look at financial performance, uh, EBITDA positive, profitability are still key, gross margin is an an important metric instead of just revenue. Uh, So all of these KPIs are uh, quite important and relevant, but somehow uh, when um, the story starts growing, uh, investors, uh, entrepreneurs stop paying attention to, the, uh, to these important things. And this just so happens at a larger scale in the U.S. because the sheer size of the market is much bigger, that there are more investors, more, more money being uh, flown in um, into companies, etc. So when I was looking at this uh, and I was comparing it to our region, Central Eastern Europe, the scale is quite different. Uh, I was talking to a, a VC fund manager friend from Silicon Valley just uh, last night and he said um, uh, they have an 80 million euro fund uh, 80 million dollar fund and they are trying to invest in series a and b stage companies but tickets have gone off, off the roof so basically for example he said there's a seed stage investment round going on it's 14 million dollars seed stage this is a pre revenue company at 15 million dollar pre money valuation so when you compare that to our uh, world uh, it's quite uh, i mean uh, unbelievable right so you have a company that has no revenues. I mean, you would laugh at this probably, right? It's just uh, getting off the ground, piece of paper, couple of entrepreneurs building a company, and they are raising $14 million. There are investors willing to pay this money or invest into this business. Um, it might be the best business, I don't know. But when you look at the comfort that they have or the confidence they have in these kind of uh, equations, it's quite different. So more money, uh, bigger problems or bigger opportunities as well. But in our region, when you look at it, I think... Uh, Seed, -seed pre-seed, early-stage investments have been developing quite nicely. We have more fund managers. I mean, thanks to the 0100 conferences, we see more people actually engaging in the industry across the region. Uh, So we have more money going into early-stage technology companies, which is great. Uh, But I think the scale is still not there yet. Uh, When you look at our uh, VC or PE money going uh, into companies or into economies per capita-wise, it's very tiny still. So we still have a lot of room to grow in our region. But I think what I like about our region are two main things, or actually three main things. Uh, Number one is uh, the modesty and groundness that we have. Uh, Entrepreneurs are, uh, let's say, uh, they don't bullshit as much, uh, if if, excuse my French. So they are looking at, you know, building a good product company, uh, good business, solid, uh, with profitably and gross margin in mind, rather than just having... Uh, you know, KPIs that are uh, quite, let's say, vanity oriented, right? Number of traffic or number of users, et cetera. So I, I, I like the fact that uh, most of the Central Eastern European entrepreneurs are focused on thick value, which is some um, sustainable uh, value for the businesses. So that's one thing. The other thing is, obviously, as an investor, we see valuations and ticket sizes being more efficient or, let's say, less costly. So you're able to get into companies as an investor uh, at more reasonable valuations. Uh, obviously, the companies might not scale as big as the US versions, uh, or they might scale in the case of UiPath, which is the fast-growing software company out of Romania, right? Uh, globally, they are the fast-growing company. So occasionally, you might see these examples, but I think more and more we see that Uh, uh, the market is getting a little bit inflated with more investors coming in more money coming in, prices are going up but still uh, there's an arbitrage when you look at uh, the companies that we see here in Central Eastern Europe compared to Western European versions and U.S. versions, there's a price difference, pricing difference. So in, in, from an investor point of view, that's advantageous and we like that. That's why we are still uh, big, big believers in the region and the opportunities here. And the third thing is, I think, uh, is quite interesting. I think that's what Günther wants to touch upon is the technology talent in our region is a high quality, in my opinion, world class, uh, and then also quite affordable still compared to some others. And we have recently exited one of our companies, uh, Convey IQ, which was a US slash Serbian business uh, in the HR tech space. They do candidate engagement automation uh, for enterprises. Uh, They have been growing quite nicely and they have been acquired by Entelo, which is a a Silicon Valley based uh, larger, bigger company in the same industry, but providing different solutions. So there was a good complementary match. In the process of emerging or being acquired by Antelo, we have learned that uh, the Antelos when you look at the cost base of their engineers in the U.S. versus what uh, our cost base was in Serbia, is quite dramatically different. So I think uh, the talent is good. Uh, we have good engineering schools, uh, a lot of R&D money going into businesses now and more uh, government programs. is still not enough, but it's, it's it's a solid base. And on top of it, affordability of the talent is quite interesting. We have our portfolio companies like Piano and some others also have offices in Ukraine, Romania, Poland, uh, sometimes in Turkey and in, in Russia as well. And uh, you have a basically an arbitrage of tech talent, right? So this is these are the three things that are, I think driving the region. Uh, more money coming in. Uh, there's an educational uh, learning curve for entrepreneurs because I think one of the things that we lack in the region is commercial savviness. So having a Uh, a global company requires better sales execution, better sales management. And I think that's one thing that uh, having the tech talent is one thing, but having also the commercial talent is a different thing. And we we always like to see this tandem approach where at a certain scale, when we meet companies, uh, we usually meet them a year before our investment, uh, and we see these management gaps. So they have a great product team, uh, good development, good sales, but for them to scale up further, they need a commercial um, uh, component, which is usually either in Western Europe or US, which are larger markets and they pay more uh, for, for software products. So it's a natural progression of that company. So I think uh, in its essence, um, I'm quite excited uh, still about the prospects, future prospects of the region. Um, unlike the US market where uh, people are you know, um, trying to solve a lot of problems with throwing more money at them, we have been developing in the region with scarce resources and in that sense that provides us unique abilities where we are trying to solve the same problem that our competitors in u.s or western europe are trying to solve with larger resource pools but here we are we have to be more practical more budget conscious, not only money, but time wise as well. So instead of having 200 engineers and a lot of capital going into software development, you have 20 engineers and trying to solve the same problem within a practical way. So I think innovation, uh, because of this scarcity and also trying to solve these uh, problems with technology, comes uh, delivers a lot of innovation. And uh, the culture is changing in different ecosystems. Romania, Poland, uh, Hungary, Slovakia and Czech Republic, you see a lot of uh, early stage companies being a little bit more ambitious about their efforts, so I think it's uh, the best is yet to come in our region. So, but maybe I'll just shut up right now, and uh, maybe Günther will chip in a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think uh, very good points. So I, I, to a large extent, see that very to very similar extent. I think the innovation that you mentioned is an important factor. I think there is still uh, more coming. Uh, I think the potential is good already, and it, it will be better. I'm sure there's also increased investment into research and development which was traditionally one of the weakest uh, parts of the economies in the CE countries and uh, this will simply create more opportunities in the future this will be creating interesting results uh, this will be changing certain things and there will be some products which well might even become the world leader and they will come from the region in certain cases uh, The second thing is that we have some startups, but I'm sure there will be more startups who will reach a reasonable size in the future, probably near future. And once this is happening, investment is going to become less risky and still has promising returns on investment. This is something which not many regions, uh, at, at least not uh, in the near uh, uh, proximity, might, might might offer. I think there might be only very few other regions uh, in Europe and, and close to Europe where, where this will happen. At least at the moment, I, I don't see it much happening uh, anywhere. And maybe to support that with one very practical example from uh, uh, what I have done on scene very recently. There was an event organized by the German Slovak Chamber of Commerce, which also shows that uh, the German investors are uh, supporting this activity. They organized a pitch event with eight Slovak startups, from which a jury, which I had the honor to be part of, had to choose three, which are then invited to a weekly tour through Germany where they can meet German investors and uh, also German uh, clients probably. So there is activity going on which is also supported by some of these for instance chambers or other bodies and I think if this is uh, the activity you will see that there is also uh, something will happen uh, both ways Mm -hmm. or maybe to put it differently in the other direction, which we had until very recently, with maybe a few exceptions. In other words, there will be investment coming from the sea region, which will go into Western Europe traditional economies. So uh, this will happen. It will not happen on that large scale. I fully agree with you, Uh, but I think think there will be interesting, very... uh, well uh, doing businesses, startups in the future, and, and, and yes, they, they will have their issues, They uh, might be strong technically and weak financially or commercially or whatever it is, but I think they will learn and, 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 and that can become uh, interesting and will create uh, opportunities, I, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting, This you touched upon this cross-border activity, I mean, Europe is um, uh, very much the investment business in Europe is still local. You see, especially some seed and early-stage investors investing across Europe, pan-European investments. They might have portfolio companies in Portugal, in Germany, in you know Romania, in Finland, etc. Uh, but their investment strategies are quite different. You know, they are looking for outliers uh, to perform beyond expectations. And some of the good examples of these investors are like Seedcamp, which have been quite tremendously successful, uh, based out of London, but they invest pretty much anywhere in Europe and some on. So I think. Keeping that in mind, at different stages of investment, you need to have this local component. And one of the things that is lacking in our industry, in our region, is fund managers, local fund managers, right? Uh, that skill set, uh, our industry is apprenticeship-based. You learn on the job, basically. And you learn by making mistakes and making investments. So I think as we see more money going into R&D, you know, uh, other government programs, other support uh, initiatives and more private money hopefully being mobilized into our asset class and also companies, then you'll see uh, better results. The thing is, the cross-border activity is increasing because when you look at German investors or dach based investors or Benelux or UK or France based investors investing in our region, there's an increasing, increasing pattern. Uh, it's not prolific yet or it's not very consistent yet, but it's increasing. Every, every day I you know, look up um, Uh, the the, the the Twitter feed of some other investors. There's always an announcement of a Hungarian company, which is recently, uh, I think, Shaper 3 d got an investment from Pointline and some others. So these guys are actually becoming more visible and capital has more access to our region, which is great. But still, I believe local management, the intricacies, the language, the culture is an important um, component of our industry. So we need to have more um, consistent local fund management. Otherwise, flying in, doing a deal and flying out doesn't really re- create a consistent, prolific uh, pattern. So that's an uh, interesting trend. And recently at 0100 events, you know, uh, I see people from U.S., uh, I see people from China, I see people from uh, Finland coming in or Germany and U.K., of course. But it's quite interesting mix. There's interest, increasing interest, and uh, you just stumble upon these people that just come to Prague for an event or Vienna or Slovakia, uh, Bratislava. Br- 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 and then they have some type of a connection to the region. Uh, sometimes they come for a vacation, obviously, but either uh, one of their founders is from the region or one of their sea level managers is from the region and they suggest that hey, you should go and check it out because there are some good companies there. So it's, it's it's happening and I think the progress is being made in the right direction, but I think we still need to see some uh, very recent successes, right now there are some exits uh, and there are always these new high valuation rounds coming up, in, right, in, in uh, Poland, etc. But I think many private investors who are invested into funds are looking for these returns, uh, like the banks or the pension funds who are limited in our region. And when you look at the most recent uh, charts from Invest Europe, which is the um, governing body for our industry in, in the region, in Europe they portray a quite striking chart where most of the funds in our region are uh, not privately financed. So there is less private LP money in in funds in our region, more public money, EIF, which is one of the most prolific and greatest investors, obviously, yes. But we need to also have other uh, investors paying attention in contrast to Western Europe, US, where you see more private money. So I think uh, it's kind of like a chicken and egg. We need to show results to convince other private investors in the asset class, but also entrepreneurs need to do a better job. We need to do a better job as fund managers, but it's, it's, a, it's a cycle that is, that's going to take more time. And then hopefully these results will increase the cross-border activity. And we don't mind having competition and we are already having it because as soon as you see a, a few good companies uh, becoming visible, uh, access to them is quite important because we are on the ground in the region. We have multiple offices We can meet them immediately, follow them, monitor them and then invest when they need it. But sometimes we have competition from UK, Germany or US where they are able to pay higher prices and larger tickets, uh, which kind of change the dynamic. So I think it's good, healthy competition. And uh, as I said, you know, this cross-border activity is is an interesting component uh, and we will see better results going forward. Yeah
0: i I agree and think uh, i 'm not that surprised that there is not so much larger tickets. I think you make that sort of natural first step maybe maybe with have somewhat smaller investment, see how it goes. Yeah. do your homework and 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 then uh, have have your lessons learned and then do the do the next step. Uh, and I agree with you. There's still uh, money available for investment, uh, interest from from Chinese investors, but also not to forget about uh, the monetarism from the European Central Bank, mm-hmm. which is a general issue in the EU. But but I think it goes somewhat beyond the borders of the of yeah. the EU at the moment. And uh, there is not that much to choose from. Uh, there are traditional businesses which are rather expensive. Mm-hmm. And then there are some of the new businesses which are probably risky. Yeah. And, and you need to look at uh, all the pros and cons and, and, and uh, monitor the development. I think you cannot expect that just something will land on your table and say, oh, this is it, I'm going to make an investment. Yeah. I think sometimes... Yeah. Uh, investors are a bit too passive. I think they could be more proactive uh, and the region, it's not, we always talk about one region but it's quite a lot of countries and they are not all the same. They are, they have certain common history in terms of uh, uh, um, what happened after the Second World War Mm -hmm. but it doesn't make them the same. And, and of course, also the size of the markets is different. What might be uh, relevant for a larger market like Poland is most likely not relevant for a small market like, say, say Slovenia. Yeah. Um, and, and these are the things that I think many people do not really consider to, to, a, to a large extent. Yeah. Um, and I think it can make a difference. It, it might not be that, but it can happen that, that these differences are, are, are relevant and are to be considered. And uh, I think the, 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 the look is still at the market, the CEE region, for, yeah. for, for many investors, and I think more differentiation is is uh, yeah. certainly something uh, advisable.
1: Yeah. I think you guys already know, but I think uh, some of the listeners might not know, I'm originally from Turkey, and um, which is a country that's not in the uh, news for the best reasons these days, challenging times uh, from many different aspects, but I think... When you look at Central Eastern Europe, um, I've been investing in the region for the past seven years uh, in many different countries. Uh, obviously, um, as you said, there are connections and everybody, um, you know, kind of uh, has uh, common backgrounds in a, to a certain extent, right? They have lived in different locations, etc. They know the culture a little bit, but every country represents a different challenge and different level of maturity in terms of ecosystem, right? So. Uh, when you look at Hungary, there are, I think, 18 or 20 early stage funds, right? But then there are also some mid-market or large-cap funds active in Hungary that are doing a bunch of roll-up investments in the region, et cetera, so different asset classes. But I, I think I'm not that knowledgeable about you know uh, traditional industry transactions, and region is still growing, right? Uh, compared to Western Europe, uh, GDP growth is still high, but it's not like China or India, right, in terms of scale of growth. Yeah. Uh, Uh, So I think it still represents uh, for different levels of investors, whether you're acquiring a chain of hospitals or you're acquiring a chain of hotels in, I don't know, Croatia or whatever, there are different assets that are quite still enticing, Mm -hmm. represents opportunities, but collecting them or, let's say, combining them from country to country in certain verticals might be easier than the others. Uh, For example, we have a bunch of online travel investments. Uh, What we are seeing is that, you know, what works in one market doesn't work in the other market. So you have to be local. You have to localize it to a certain extent, even though these countries are bordering each other. Right. It's just they react. The consumer reaction is quite different. But I think you, tell, you, you know this much better than I do. But when you look at transactions, you know, in the region, there's an upward trend in that. I remember from the data that was uh, submitted by I think uh, uh, in West Europe, Uh, larger PE investments as well, especially in Poland and uh, in Hungary, uh, which is a second market after Poland, I think. But what do you see from Mazar's point of view? I mean, do you see uh, more mature companies looking for investment or acquisitions? Is that kind of like a trend?
0: That's a good question. And I think it's rather hard to say. I don't think that there's a real strong or clear trend. I agree that Poland was, I think, by far the the biggest increase. Mm -hmm. At least I think it was from 2017 to eighteen. I have not seen any preliminary numbers for 2019 but that was certainly very clear, uh, mm-hmm. I think. And otherwise I think it's rather a selective thing and mm-hmm. um, uh, to be honest I know some countries in the region better than others. Sure. I do not really have the full <laughs> overview, especially like I have been working in the Czech Republic and Slovakia and I know also uh, a bit better maybe Poland, Hungary. Slovakia, uh, sorry, Slovenia and Croatia, but if f- further we go more either south or east, south to be, be honest, yeah. my yeah. my uh, knowledge and my practical experience are are, are um, little, mm-hmm. uh, in some cases not existing at all. Yeah. So what I can say from the countries I know better, yes, there is for for Poland certainly, for Hungary to a certain extent the mm-hmm. the the uh, trend. Um, And for the for the smaller markets, I think it's hard to say it's rather selective, um, selective investment.
1: So basically trying to own good businesses, right, which are profitable, maybe not as high growth rate as some other industries, but still profitable, good brands in those markets, right?
0: Uh, Exactly. Mm -hmm. And what what is uh, certainly an issue is that uh, I feel or, or sense, at least from the clients we're working with, that they really have this long term aspect. They're not necessarily looking at making money quickly, going in there, making an investment after three, five years, maybe selling, Mm -hmm. but there's might still be looking at 10 plus, plus, plus years, uh, which is also not uh, the case uh, everywhere. So I think uh, the, there is still uh, there is still the uh, yeah. aspect which I think it's not it's not a bad development yeah, yeah, yeah. that uh, that things are being uh, selected well and and the investment horizon can be can yeah. be ten say years
1: yeah. Plus years. Well, one other thing that just came to my mind, Günther, is I think since you are an expert in the field, we should talk about it. The, you know, uh, the financial reporting and audit from company to company is quite different even within our portfolio is quite different levels of sophistication, right? Uh, even though when we invest, we try to stabilize things and or standardize things, you know, to help them uh, reach up to global standards so they can, uh, when they are in front of a potential investor or a potential buyer, they can speak freely and they can remain prepared. So what do you see? I mean, especially look at Czech Republic and Slovakia, maybe those two main markets that, you know, you are spending more time on, maybe. What level of preparedness difference do you see? when you meet a company, um, are they, uh, you know, a little bit more aware in Czech Republic because it's a larger market, there's more transactions. Uh, For example, we always require companies to get audited because it's a good practice. It uh, prepares them. It uh, opens up, you know, management's eyes about potential gaps, challenges, risks. Uh, Do you see from country to country that you operate in, as Mazars, different level of sophistication, financial reporting standards, audit standards? And I know we have IFRS and GAAP and everything, but in practical day-to-day, what, what's your sense about it? Uh,
0: that's uh, an, an interesting point, and I think it's quite, quite burdensome mm-hmm. and also quite different. But in all, almost all cases, at least again from the countries I know, uh, it's really time-consuming administration uh, mm-hmm. uh, to be fully compliant with uh, financial Accounting and tax Mm -hmm. reporting, return filing or whatever is is really very Mm time-consuming compared to standards from, from, say, Western market economies. And this is certainly one uh, point which some of the startups are struggling because just to be at least being able to keep their accounting mm. to f- have their tax returns filed. Yeah. They need probably almost one full-time person mm-hmm. uh, to have everything captured. And then there is much less time. They, sh- they should probably devote more into controlling, into yeah. internal reporting and this. And, and prices, they, are then, they yeah. are then just building this up as they go and always uh, almost mm-hmm. always with a certain delay yeah. of maybe even two to three years. So I don't think that they are well informed or that well informed about what is actually happening in their in their companies. I think they could be better uh, prepared or earlier start with uh, management reporting, controlling, and and this kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes the, the 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 commercial things just starts running and and uh, they are behind not only with their financial but also with other internal points. Sure.
1: sure. Yeah, it takes time. I mean, I think uh, as we are uh, let's say a later stage investor after seed and uh, Series A, we come in with uh, a check that's significant for a company to scale up uh, we always try to introduce some corporate governance and also control mechanisms to help them measure things right uh, not to delay things or to become a, a, a heavy burden on the management uh, of the organization but it's a good practice because uh, as the old saying goes you cannot uh, manage what you cannot measure right for example we are having constant discussions about what's what's a healthy gross margin level for a software business right you look at industry benchmarks it's somewhere between 70 plus percentage points depends on how you calculate gross margin and what do you include in you know cost of goods sold etc changes from company to company and we have seen in the especially in the u.s most recent ipo filings guys are quite creative i mean there's a lot of language there about what is ebitda and what is gross margin etc so when you look at it you think it's quite straightforward but it just happens to be they are, I'm not saying manipulating it or changing it, but they're making it complex that is very difficult to challenge. It's, it's, it becomes a gray area. And in our region, I think uh, what I find is uh, at certain scale, some of the companies are quite impressive. Uh, they have a, a regional global outlook, so they want to have perfect numbers, you know, reporting, et cetera, So they come to us in a very prepared manner. Uh, but in some cases, we see companies, when we meet them, we like the product, we like the growth, revenues are coming in, et cetera, But when we try to you know, uh, invest, we, we see that quickly uh, because our investment is kind of like, I wouldn't say rocket fuel, but it's faster growth. We, we want to enable faster growth. And if you don't have your things in order, faster growth will cause problems, right? Because you're not prepared in terms of scaling the business operations, uh, processes, et cetera. So that's why you know, we, we have been working on some projects with you guys in due diligence and post-investment. Uh, But I think I strongly advise in our region that the companies to actually get advice early on to see what could be the challenges up ahead because uh, they need to sort things out. Otherwise, it's just, um, you know, if you're not uh, paying your VATs according to schedule or whatever, you know, uh, procedures, then it might grow up on you and it might be a problem down the road, you know.
0: Yeah. Yes, and there, there are there are challenges not only for for the startups, for uh, the whole economy, you not know, to forget. But if you look at the labor market, like in Prague or Bratislava, mm-hmm. it's empty. There is nobody available. Mm -hmm. So maybe some would like to hire people, maybe also more from their support side, like the financial and other things we have just been mentioning, but they simply cannot find them, at least not quickly. Mm -hmm. And if, then they have to pay more than the competition, which makes it more expensive, obviously. So I think uh, there are some things uh, when you look at uh, the situation in more detail or maybe even a little bit between the lines. So if you look at it from far away, you might not see that. Mm -hmm. But if you look at uh, the environment, um, and and uh, the numbers also uh, from an uh, economical perspective. Uh, then uh, there are there are things which which uh, uh, which are happening and which should not be ignored.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, talking about pricing. Uh, recently, uh, we've been looking at our portfolio companies uh, tech team costs. It looks like those prices are also going up. Uh, it used to be uh, in Poland. Let's say uh, the costs were a little bit more reasonable, but now with the influx of investment and uh, a lot of talent being, you know, let's say, uh, kept or accommodated by software development houses uh, for international projects, which pay good, handsome, uh, you know, salaries. Uh, I think the labor market in that sense is kind of becoming more challenging very fast, faster than I expected. Uh, Absolutely, and and also faster than tech talent, yeah.
0: Tech talent, but across the board, uh, we have, Salary cost increases uh, of about ten percent mm-hmm. from last year to this year. Mm-hmm. I think that was numbers from July or August. I'm not that sure, but that's not that important. It is yeah. within one year, ten yeah. percent, which is much, much more than productivity efficiency increases. Yeah. Which simply means that profit prof- profitability goes down. Which yeah. also means you have uh, less what you can expect in in terms of your return. Yeah. Uh, so this happens so quickly. This yeah. happens within one year. I think. Hardly anybody was able to to uh, to spot that, uh, say, a year or two earlier. Yeah. Uh, now it's happening. Uh, it has an impact on your margins and and on yeah. your returns. Yeah. Uh, what will you do with it? Well, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay.
0: Another
1: in, challenge in terms of like um, uh, managing a company and having these, let's say, cost of labor or cost of talent, right? When you look at governments different tax rates are in the region, everybody's on a different schedule, it's not like across the board, it's the same, and uh, rights and also, let's say, legislation is quite different. Yes. And especially if you have multiple offices in Belgrade, you might have a different you know, process in Slovakia, it might be different, et cetera. So what do you see on your end, I mean, because you, you're actually opening up the hood and looking into the companies more than we do, uh, you get into the detail, but what kind of tax burdens or benefits you see from country to country?
0: Interesting question. I think it's also, uh, it varies a bit, but first thing, you haven't mentioned that, but it's also, I think, interesting to see when you look at the, the, the tax landscape overall, that the tax rates in the C region in general are low, at mm-hmm. least lower than in many of the Western European countries, first thing. That to a certain extent, except
1: Austria, maybe I don't know. <laughs> Austria <laughs> depends. Austria, I mean, is it CEU DAC, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it depends on whether you regard Austria as CE or not. But yeah, Austria yeah. is uh, uh, in in that respect uh, uh, different. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, not, not only that respect. And uh, what is important at the same time is that um, the tax base can still be quite high in some cases because of a lot of tax, non-deductible adjustments Mm -hmm. that are to be made. And this is one of the interesting things maybe when you said that environment and tax, I think we have about 100 potential adjustments to the tax base in Slovakia. Mm -hmm. And uh, Poland I think is also very challenging, Uh, there are other countries. There's much, much more that's, that needs to be done around that than in, 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 in uh, uh, countries I know as well, like Germany and Austria. Yeah. So that already indicates that it might be on the first hand interesting because of the lower taxes, or at least the tax rates, but then it depends on your business and how much of that adjustments are typical for your business. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, I mentioned it before, to administra- the admi- administration and uh, the processes it's still slow. Uh, it's still un- unpredictable to a certain extent how tax authorities will will react yeah. and and what what the what the findings or, or their uh, their issues are. So there's certainly also a bit more of risk. Cons. There's yeah. also a bit more of risk in that yeah. respect in the sea area than in in other markets. Yeah. So there's something for something. Yeah, yeah,
1: trade-off. But I think one of the countries that we can probably speak uh, quite positively about is Estonia about most of these things, about digital government, e-government, all the friendly legislation, let's say, and ease of doing business there, right? Everything is, at least from our exposure with our investments in Thunderbeam, Next is, everything is quite online, quite lean uh, in terms of administration. And for investors, it just uh, feels a little bit more of a, a comfortable
0: location to look into, you know. I agree, and it confirms what I said before. There's so many countries which are different. different. Yeah. You cannot just say that's yeah. that's it yeah. in the, in the yeah. region. Yeah.
1: No, quite interesting. I mean, I think when you look at it, uh, many challenges and positives and negatives, but overall, uh, I think the investment climate is moving in the right direction. Uh, companies are you know, getting more scale, faster. In the past, uh, especially in Turkey and Poland, which are large population markets, You would talk to entrepreneurs and they would think that, okay, this domestic market is large enough, we can grow to a certain scale there. And their ambitions were basically to be market leaders in those markets, maybe in the neighboring countries, but they never thought about becoming pan-European or truly global. So I see more companies and entrepreneurs uh, uh, becoming more daring earlier on. And especially this applies to like Slovakia and Slovenia, where the domestic market is small in terms of size, uh, population and sheer number of people there. So day one, these entrepreneurs have to be regional or global, uh, otherwise they don't have a, a large enough business. So I think it's changing. Uh, it, it's, yeah. it's
0: it's it's changing, I agree. And one more example that just came to my mind, which is also very typical for the uh, development in the region, that even the governments uh, have to maybe learn or yeah. have to need to have the lessons learned. Like they realize that they can support research and development with the so-called super deduction Or you can actually deduct more than 100% of the expenses that you have in research and development. Mm -hmm. That's a good thing. At the same time, in some cases, there is a very very voluminous project documentation required, which is so demanding that some even say that even if I get that, I I don't want to spend all the time in administration for having that project documentation prepared. So the governments also have to ask themselves whether they do not put uh barriers for example uh, yeah. yeah. except exactly like, like like very high burden mm-hmm. on things which can be i think simply uh, simplified yeah. Yeah. so uh, there are good developments and and governments that uh, realize that they should support certain activity but then they kind of uh, uh, harm themselves by by uh, very high administration yeah 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 i think those are pros and cons and i'm as a fund manager
1: i wish uh, the taxation on capital gains etc is quite different in different countries It should be maybe a little bit more harmonized uh, to increase you know investment into this asset class but it goes both ways on the other side of the table for entrepreneurs and for us as well All right. So I think, Günther, in summary, I'll I'll say a few things and maybe also you can from your side and then we can wrap up the session. Otherwise, we probably can't talk for a few (laughs) hours more. Uh, It's quite a juicy topic. But I think on my end, as I mentioned at the beginning, we see more stable, sound companies in the region with growth ambitions, uh, which is why we are raising our next fund, uh, which will be 150 million euros, again, investing with the same strategy, uh, looking for technology growth uh, stage companies. Uh, I I think the region is ripe for growth still. Uh, The asset class that we are in right now is uh, shown uh, some good returns, uh, good valuation appreciation. So uh, the best is yet to come in my opinion. And as I mentioned, this talent arbitrage and also valuation differences between different ecosystems will probably play um, well for investors and entrepreneurs alike. But maybe Gunther you want to wrap up a few things as well from your side.
0: Yes, I think uh, you're right. Uh, I also see still a lot of opportunities. As I said, the number of startups is growing and the size they will reach will be quite uh, reasonable um, soon. Nevertheless, there are still uh, challenges for them on the financial side. Also, financial reporting compliance, uh, I would say in general, in many cases, it's very challenging for a small company to be compliant with all the rules and things that are are, um, there i'm just talking about uh, gdpr for instance uh, one example which i haven't mentioned yet but this is just adding to the to the whole to whole list of things so yes opportunities but also challenges i think uh, this is quite natural
1: yeah goes hand in hand so i think um, the next um, session for us will be in a few weeks maybe but Uh, in in Prague there's a 0100 conference coming up on the 16th I'll be attending and I'll be uh, one of the panels I think and uh, maybe we can meet some of the listeners in person there so again uh, thanks for enabling the session and looking forward to meeting guys in Prague in a few weeks
0: Okay, thank you thanks